Good morning. Have you ever felt like you were in the throne room of God? That was worship. In fact, as I was sitting there, I was thinking of Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to share it with you briefly. This is what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12. And he's contrasting what the Old Testament people of God came to and, and what we come to. And this is what he said. And think about this in relation to what we've just experienced. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. But you, all of us here this morning, have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Doesn't it feel like that this morning? That this morning we have come to the throne room of God into his presence, into the presence of Jesus, the mediator. And you know what else Hebrews 12 tells us? Hebrews 12 also tells us that We're not here alone this morning. That we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And as we've worshipped this morning, I can't help but think of those within our church family, those connected to Calvary Church that this past week have joined that great cloud of witnesses. But even though this morning we know that they have joined that great cloud of witnesses, death is still painful. Death still hurts. So over the next couple weeks, we're going to step away from our series. And this morning, I would like to focus upon one of God's responses to death. Would you pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we have entered your presence this morning in worship and we thank you, Lord, that you allow us to come to you in worship and in praise. For you are so good to us. Lord, it is our prayer this morning as we open your word that you would speak to us, that you would provide us with encouragement to live our lives each and every day for you, And for you alone, Lord, help us to be obedient. Help us to demonstrate love to you and to others. We pray, Lord, that you will speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I remember a number of years ago, actually many years ago, where I had the opportunity to memorize a Bible verse. 
It was right here at Calvary Church in Junior Church at the time. And in Junior Church, we had the opportunity every week to memorize a Bible verse. And at the time, being the overachiever that I was, I picked the shortest verse in the entire Bible. Just two words. And it's a remarkable verse. Now, it's a remarkable verse for more than just the fact that it was the verse that I picked when I was a child. And it's a remarkable verse for more than the fact that it's the shortest verse in the Bible, that it's just two words. The verse is remarkable because of what it says. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. The verse is found in John chapter 11. So if you take your Bible and turn to John chapter 11, that's where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. It's found on page 760 in the Bible that the church provides. And in John chapter 11, we're told the story of a man named Lazarus. Follow along with me as I read, starting in verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. See, John tells us that there's a family that's living in Bethany, and this family isn't just any family. It's a special family. This is a family whom Jesus loved. It's a family who Jesus himself deeply cared about. And Lazarus, the brother in the family, the brother of Martha and Mary, is seriously ill. So Martha and Mary send word to Jesus. They send a message to Jesus begging him to come to the aid of their brother. But here some reason only known to Jesus, he doesn't come right away. He doesn't respond to their urgent request for him to come and heal their brother. In fact, the text says that he waited two whole days. Look at verse 17. Look what finally happens when Jesus arrives. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. By the time Jesus arrives, Lazarus' sisters, his friends, his family had given up hope. Lazarus was dead, and they were grieving and mourning over his death. But when Martha hears that Jesus is on his way. She runs out to meet him. She runs out to him to express what she's feeling. And look at what she says when she finally expresses to Jesus her frustration and pain. Look at verse 21. She said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You can hear the pain in those words, can't you? Lord, If only you had been here, 
my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus hears that pain as well. Look at how he responds in verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after this, Martha runs off and she goes, tells Mary that Jesus wants to see her. So Mary runs out to Jesus. She rushes out to him. And when she gets to him, Mary falls down on her knees and weeps. And look at Jesus' response to Mary in verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And here it is. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. We understand what he was feeling, don't we? When confronted by death, we understand this response. This pain, this hurt, this emotion, this separation, this loss. We understand exactly what this is like. This past week in our own church family, there are families that intimately resonate with this response of Jesus. These families know intimately Jesus' response to Lazarus' death. And it's not only these families. Each one of us understands Jesus' response, his emotional response to death. Because all of us have been confronted by death. All of us know what death is like. All of us know that hurt and that pain. All of us know that death is universal and unavoidable. And here we see that Jesus himself experiences the same types of emotion that we do. Jesus wept. The remarkable thing about this verse is that it is Jesus who weeps. Now, if it was any other ordinary human being, we would understand that emotion and hurt and pain is involved, but this is Jesus. And this is a Jesus who the Bible paints a somewhat different picture about. We see in this very book of the Bible, in the first chapter of the book of John, that the word says that Jesus himself was the creator of the universe. And it says that Jesus himself was the only begotten son of God, the Father. And we see that Jesus, up in the, all the chapters leading to these two words, does many miraculous things. He prays, he teaches, he calms a storm, he feeds over 5,000 people with a few fish and a few loaves of bread. 
He heals the sick. He causes the blind to see. He causes the lame to walk. He does many miraculous things. When he introduces himself to others, he says, before Abraham was, I am. This is the Jesus that we come to see throughout the book of John. But when we get to this point in the book of John, we see something completely different. We see a Jesus who weeps. This picture, this picture of Jesus is almost unexpected and almost unimaginable for many because the the picture of a God is often a God who sits upon a mountaintop and throws lightning bolts or sends angels to do his bidding. But this God, what kind of God gets so close to his subjects? What kind of God shows such emotion? The God of the Bible does. And it shouldn't surprise us because in Isaiah, Isaiah tells us that the anointed, the Messiah, is going to be a man of sorrows, a person familiar with suffering. This is the Jesus who we see in John chapter 11. The Jesus who understands and resonates with his people. Who feels deep emotion and hurt in pain when death approaches. This is the Jesus that we see this morning. And it's important because whenever you face death, whenever confronted by death, it's important to know this verse. Jesus wept. Because what this verse says to us is that Jesus cares. That Jesus demonstrates a compassion that is almost unimaginable from maybe a typical image of God. Our Savior weeps over death. And it shows us that he will never leave us or forsake us. And whenever we go and walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is there. So why does he weep? Why is it that Jesus weeps? I think there are three reasons. The first reason that Jesus weeps is because someone died. Lazarus has died. Lazarus is dead. And death is real. It was real then and it's real now. And I think many times when we confront death or when we face death, we try to push it aside. We try to pretend that it's not real. We often think that it's a dream. And sooner or later, I am going to wake up from this dream and there will be no death. I will not have had to face it or to confront it. But death is real. Every one of us in this room is going to die. Every one of us in this room is going to have, are going to have family or friends that are going to die. We're all going to die. And it's closer than you think. Now, if you're not depressed already, I have a slide that I would like to show you that compares an average lifespan 
to a day. And look at this slide. It's your life measured in a day. If you're 15 years old this morning, it's 1025 in the morning. And this day starts at 7 in the morning and ends at midnight. If you're 15 years old this morning, it's 1025. You got a good part of the day left. You're in good shape. If you're 35, it's 3 p.m. I'm 45, and I'm getting nervous because it's 516. My day is slipping away. If you're 70, it's 11 p.m. Death is near. And I want you to notice it's always later in the day than you think. Death is real. And Jesus weeps because someone died. And not only is death real, it hurts. And it hurts badly. And you know why it hurts? It hurts because it's so unnatural. You're right. It's exactly what I said. It hurts because it is so unnatural. The writer of Ecclesiastes tells us that eternity is written on man's hearts. Everything about you and everything about me screams for eternal life. Everything about us desires a life without end. In the beginning, God created Adam and Eve. He created man and he said that you are going to live forever. That you will have life eternal. But then Adam and Eve make a bad decision and sin and death enter the world. And man now dies. Death is real and it's unnatural. And Jesus wept. Jesus not only wept because death happened, and it's real and natural and unnatural. There's another level to what happened that day. There's another reason that Jesus wept. Jesus wept because someone he loved and cared about died. Look at verse 36 and look at the reaction of those who saw Jesus weep. They said, see how he loved him. Jesus and Lazarus were friends. Jesus had stayed in Lazarus' home many nights. They had probably laughed and joked together. Maybe they worked together, but they were close. Jesus deeply loved Lazarus. They were great friends. And his reaction? He wept. When, we, when someone we love dies, the reaction is wholly and completely different, isn't it? The more we love, the more there is pain and the more there is hurt. Jesus wept because people he cared about were hurting. If we were to read the entire story from John chapter 11, we would see that Jesus later raises Lazarus from the dead. 
He had to know at this point that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, yet he still weeps. He still expresses extreme sorrow over the fact that someone he loved had died. And we know this, we understand this. When someone we deeply love dies, we grieve, we weep, we mourn over the loss and over the separation. Now we don't grieve or mourn or weep for them because if they're in Christ, we recognize that they are now with Christ, that they are now experiencing the presence of their Lord and Savior in a special way, in such a special way that they are experiencing life like they have never experienced life before. But for those of us who remain, death is painful and it hurts. And so we weep. And Jesus, Jesus weeps as well. And right now today when we experience death, when a loved one dies, we need to know that Jesus is right there weeping beside us. He's right there with you, demonstrating his compassion and his care. He knows what you're experiencing. However, there's more to the story. Jesus wept because someone had died. Jesus wept because someone he loved had died. But there's a deeper level to what happens here. Jesus weeps because he knows we can't yet see what he sees. Here's the real storyline behind the shortest verse in the Bible. Turn and look at verse 25. Look again at what Jesus says to Martha in verse 25. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now for some, the answer to that question is no. Some people do not believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. They're convinced that this life is all there is. No resurrection, no future, no future for time with a loved one, no hope. Is it any wonder that some people grieve so helplessly and hopelessly? It's because they don't believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And that is why Jesus continually calls out. He continually calls out and he says, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Come unto me, all you who are tired and full of burden. And I will give you rest. And when we don't, he weeps. So if you're here this morning and you do not believe... It's my hope that this morning you will look at this question and you will answer, yes, I do believe. I'd like you to notice something about the statement. Jesus doesn't say in verse 25, I bring resurrection in life, but rather he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. You see, with Jesus, it's personal. 
The answer to death is not just resurrection. The answer to death is Jesus. It's personal with him. Jesus himself is the only way to escape eternal death and to have life. Jesus wants you to believe and trust in him. He wants you to have life. But for many of us, as we look at verse 25, the answer to that question, do you believe this, is yes. But believing is not always seen. Sometimes it is difficult to see. Sometimes it's almost impossible to see. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. He says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Sometimes it's hard to see. But this morning, I would like to help lift the veil. I would like us to see. I'd like us to have a little glimpse. God is gracious because in his word, God provides us with a little glimpse of what the future holds. So what is it that Jesus sees? Turn to Revelation 21. And look at verse 4. Speaking of heaven, this is what John writes. He, the Jesus who weeps, will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. What is it that Jesus sees? You see, Jesus sees our future. Jesus sees heaven. And here we get a glimpse of what he actually sees, a place with no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more pain. Heaven is a place where the disappointments of this life are gone, where the frustrations of this life are no more, where there's no more hospitals, where there's no more rehabilitation centers, where there's no more nursing homes, where there are no more doctors or nurses or prescriptions where the pain of this life has evaporated and the memories that were faded are now real and full. This is what heaven offers. This is what Jesus now sees. Pain is gone. And our future in heaven is full. Now, heaven is not only a place with no more sadness, sorrow, or pain. Heaven is also a place of incredibly great beauty. And I'd like to do something a little bit different this morning. I'd like each of you to close your eyes. I'm not going to make you raise your hands. I just want you to close your eyes. I'd like you to close your eyes. And I'd like to give you a glimpse of what Jesus sees. I want you to imagine. I want you to picture the place that is described. Please close your eyes. The wall is made of jasper in the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls are decorated with every kind of precious stone. The 12 gates are 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of pure gold, like transparent glass. 
I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is what Jesus sees. Now keep your eyes closed, please, because not only is heaven a place for us where there will be no more sorrow, sadness, crying, or pain, and not only is it a home of great beauty, there's one more thing I'd like you to imagine. I want you to picture Jesus himself personally receiving you. Imagine this, the moment you take your first breath in heaven or the moment your loved one took their first breath in heaven. Jesus was right there to welcome them. Jesus is right there to welcome you. The first image you see is Jesus. He is there with his arms wide open to receive you and welcome you to your heavenly home. Immediately, you experience a love that we can't even understand, an immeasurable love, a love that completely forgives every failure that you've ever had in your life a love that mends all the hurts only you knew, a love that understands every feeling you ever had. You experience an unconditional love that completely satisfies all the longings of your soul because you have heard Jesus say, Welcome home, my child. I have been waiting for you. And death is no more.